WMAY, it is full disclosure with the Better Government Association. We do this every Wednesday morning here on the program. We welcome David Grising, president and CEO of the BGA. David, as always, welcome. Great to have you here. Thank you, Jim. Good morning. Well, we uh, get started with uh, something we knew was inevitable. It was going to have to be dealt with, but to hear it put in some pretty stark terms yesterday, uh, it was still uh, pretty disheartening, especially coming here just a little more than a week before Christmas with Governor J.B. Pritzker talking about the need for hundreds of millions of dollars in cuts in the agencies that he oversees, including the possibility of unpaid furlough days for state workers among the many ways the governor seeks to address a nearly $4 billion budget hole in the current fiscal year. Uh, David, it seems like there's there's lots of factors and lots of people to blame for this. Uh, where do we start? Well, Governor Pritzker started by blaming Republicans who shot uh, helped to shoot down his so-called fair tax amendment, which he had counted on for about $3.4 billion a year in annual revenue. Frankly, though, um, he should have seen this coming. Um, Revenue for, for the state are down by about $2 billion because of uh, COVID-related losses, both the loss of business activity as well as other tax revenues. And so he's got to make some pretty draconian cuts. Um, he's seen this coming for weeks and months. Uh, he's now finally dealing with it, and it's going to be pretty tough. No, no question about it. And he's going to get resistance uh, from, from all sides here. Uh, AFSCME, the largest state workers union, the AFL-CIO, both coming out against uh, trying to make some of these cuts on the backs of state workers. But, David, it's hard to see how we can get, do this without that. No, he's also counting on uh, borrowing from the Federal Reserve. He's, he's already borrowed $1.2 billion from a special program put together by the Fed uh, for to help out municipalities across the country. Uh, he's counting on about $2 billion more in borrowing. But the question is, uh, does, does the work that Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, did to kind of withdraw money from that account, does that jeopardize that plan? Uh, what help might be coming from Congress? Uh, he still doesn't know, we still don't know, whether Congress can get past this impasse and get some help out to not just Illinois, but states and cities across the country that are desperately needing it due to COVID-related losses. It's going to be real easy to lob bombs at all of this and to criticize the steps that have to be taken. Uh, it does seem like it's really incumbent upon the critics to offer their own plan for, for how we get out of this. And that's something else we haven't seen a lot of. The governor pointing to that quite a bit yesterday, that the people that he blames for the defeat of the progressive income tax amendment have not really laid out where they would cut or what they would do to bring the books into balance. No, and I think that's you're correct on that, Jim. Uh, it's not enough for the Republican Jim Durkin, Durkin, the minority leader, to talk about years of overspending by the Democrats, et cetera. That doesn't do us any good today. We know that that is the history. Both parties know that that is the history. Governor Pritzker is trying to solve it. He's not able to do it completely on his own. And if the Republicans have great ideas that can help address these problems, they ought to share them right now because this is when they're needed. David, with a, a nearly $4 billion deficit for, for this year alone, uh, the governor outlining only $700 million in cuts he wants to pursue in the agencies that he can control. And we know that big chunks of the budget are off limits. Pensions, bonds, entitlements, these are things that the, the governor really can't touch. Is there any way to fix this budget hole without higher taxes? 
probably not, to be honest with you. Uh, not to mention possibly more borrowing, uh, which will really be bad for a state that already has a serious uh, problem with its credit rating. But um, uh, you can't cut your way to to filling what what remains after the intended Fed borrowing and the the, the cuts he's planning uh, about a, a two billion dollar hole. And so um, there's there will be probably higher taxes and uh, also some additional uh, substantial additional borrowing. It is full disclosure with the Better Government Association. David Greising is the president and CEO of the BGA here with us each week on the WMAY morning news feed. Let's now turn to the events of the last couple of days surrounding House Speaker Mike Madigan, this special investigative committee. And I've taken to using air quotes uh, around that uh, phrase. There was nothing particularly <laughs> nothing particularly special about it and certainly nothing investigative about it. Uh, and it is now uh, abruptly ended its work accomplishing exactly nothing and leaving lots of bad blood on both sides. Yes, it, sort of it began as a sort of a camp in which, frankly, both parties played a hand. You know, the, the Democrats from the beginning blamed Minority Leader Durkin for staging this as a political stunt. And they were just as political, if not worse, in the way that they managed things. The big fight was over, would they ever subpoena Mike Madigan to testify? And uh, the chair, Chris Welch, of this committee, uh, a close ally of Speaker Madigan's, really just refused to do any kind of serious inquiry into the problems, the multitude of problems that are alleged in the uh, uh, federal uh, government's complaint against Commonwealth Edison and a few individuals. And so... Um, uh, they they held uh, they they just basically shut down in a very perfunctory way. Uh, they really got very little accomplished, and it's really sad because, frankly, uh, the the people of Illinois uh, are owed an explanation as to uh, how uh, Speaker Madigan has conducted himself, and his unwillingness to appear and testify just really shows uh, kind of a lack of respect for the voters. Uh, not to mention a significant lack of respect for his colleagues. Uh, in the House. You know, there's no doubt that Republicans wanted to make political hay with this. Uh, and I, I think they succeeded in as much as it did really show again uh, the lengths to which some in the Illinois House will bend over backwards to provide cover for Mike Madigan. Uh, Chairman Welch, uh, at times it was hard to really understand the rationale as to why he would allow a motion on so-called uh, a global uh, approach to subpoenas, unspecified subpoenas that could go to literally anybody, uh, but wouldn't allow a specific vote on a subpoena for Mike Madigan himself, the central figure in, in all of this. And so it just seemed, again, like the rules were being made up as they went along uh, with whatever was necessary in that moment to provide cover to the speaker. Uh, and it's all fascinating, you know, to, to see that amount of effort expended to somebody who could be on his last legs politically anyway. Mike Madigan still very much with his back against the wall right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Grant Worley, the Republican from Naperville, in, in remarks, uh, talked about this. This is not Baltimore we're dealing with. We can name this individual. This is House Speaker Mike Madigan. Uh, it, it, there's no mystery as to who needs to be subpoenaed, who needs to testify, uh, but it just does show the kind of political acrimony. And uh, Madigan is not going to do anything to put any votes at risk. He he is six votes short of being reelected speaker, and he's going to do everything he can to uh, protect 
his long shot chances of being reelected as speaker in January. It has been a fascinating drama to watch play out the legislative black caucus endorsing Madigan, the 19 Democrats who came out against him sticking to their guns, another group of Democrats urging everybody to come together to say that the disunity in their faction uh, just simply hands an advantage to the Republicans. And it seems like nobody's budging from the, the positions they've staked out up to this point. Nobody's budging, and there will be significant drama in early January after the legislature reconvenes on January 13th, because the legislature, the General Assembly cannot do any business if they don't have a Speaker of the House. And so this needs to be resolved. Clearly, Speaker Madigan and his allies are counting on the fact that no individual or not even a small number of individuals have emerged as possible candidates who can get the 60 votes that are needed to be elected as Speaker. There's been some gamesmanship on the part of the Republicans. Jim Durkin, who's getting a lot of airtime in this segment, um, he, he has kind of indicated, hey, we'd like some Democrats to join us and elect me speaker. That's not going to happen. That's more political grandstanding. A Democrat needs to emerge as the alternative to Mike Madigan. And so far, that has not happened. Uh, it's never dull in Illinois politics nor government, which is why we do this every Wednesday morning, and we'll do some more of it straight ahead. Full disclosure with the Better Government Association continues next. But this is not the only place where David shares his insights. He also writes a column that is uh, carried in newspapers around the state, including the Chicago Tribune, and he wrote one recently encouraging Governor Pritzker to keep the pedal to the metal as it pertains to pandemic restrictions, David. Right. I took a look at what has happened to Illinois uh, since the early days of the pandemic, the first surge, when we ranked among the top five states in most of the measuring categories, the positivity rate, the case index, case numbers, uh, death rate, et cetera. And now in the second surge, we are among the lowest. At one point, we had the most deaths in the country. The next highest state was Texas, which has a population twice our size. And so um, after talking to some experts and doing some other research, uh, I came up with some, you know, notions about what is the difference, what has changed. And, for example, the uh, stay-at-home advisory this time, uh, last time around was a stay-at-home order. In fact, we were required to stay at home and not travel unless necessary or unless we were in a special class of workers. And so there are all kinds of measures, um, contact tracing along the borders, expanding the testing program at the University of Illinois that has been so successful, uh, expand it across the state. Uh, there, are all, there are all kinds of measures that could be in, uh, imposed across the state and tested across the state that the governor so far, um, with all the pushback he's gotten uh, politically, uh, he, he's not exercising every tool at his disposal just now. You know, uh, we've we've looked at how this has played out, and I know this is something that a lot of people don't want to hear, bars and restaurant owners in particular, but as we've seen the tighter measures put in place, we've seen the cases come down, hospitalizations come down, deaths eventually drop. When we don't do those things, the opposite happens, and since we've had tighter mitigations in place for most of November, we're now starting to see cases decline pretty dramatically, positivity rates coming down, hospitalizations are dropping, deaths are still up there, but that's, again, the, the lagging indicator from November. Uh, and this seems to be the, the best of a lot of bad options here. If the objective is to actually save lives, uh, it, it does take these uh, very unpleasant and unpopular measures, but no, no one's really suggested an alternative that stops the cases from surging and deaths from climbing. 
No, absolutely. And you can certainly understand the restaurant owner, the small business owner who wants to uh, get back to work and try to save their businesses. But they, we, the evidence shows that that has been done uh, during the course of the summer and early fall at the cost of actually people dying because the, the virus spreads more aggressively when we let our guard down. You can certainly understand that there is pandemic fatigue, that the governor maybe is not quite as creative as he was in the early stages of the pandemic. And this was sort of a clarion call for the governor and his staff and experts in the state to rally one more time to defeat this virus as best we can while we wait for the vaccine to roll out, which is going to take at least half a year. So there's a lot of work yet to be done. David Greising, only 15 seconds left. Tell us quickly how to reach you the rest of the week. I'm at DGreising at BetterGov.org. That's D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at BetterGov.org. And our website is BetterGov.org. We won't do this next Wednesday, so Merry Christmas, David. We'll see you in a couple of weeks.